I suppose we can actually finally get underway with this um, and get into this. Obviously, if you missed the first three attempts, uh, this is the GG debrief, episode 12, hosted by myself, Shevler, and Emzo is finally back with us. <laughs> We've missed him. Hello. <laughs> and this week we have Lackey of Team Secret and many other things which we are going to sort of get into right um so let's i suppose just get right into it if there's um i'm already sure i just realized uh with with the name change that you went from idk to team secret you went from not knowing what your team name is to not being able to tell us yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it is a secret i, I can't tell you <laughs> <laughs> or is the secret the fact that you don't know? Maybe. Questions, the I'm questions. I'm just playing off that it's a secret, but I really don't know anything. Competent at hiding your incompetent. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, S welcome to the show. Yeah. Of course. Thank you. S so, um, I've just realized that my questions are sort of all over the place, so I'm going to just crack in with one um, okay. and ask you how it all began. Start at the beginning here, and uh, how did you get into R6? Well, I started playing at like the closed beta. Uh, I was playing mm -hmm. with uh, my friends, like uh, just a group of friends. There was four of us, and one of my friends was Meepy, because uh, we've known each other since the years before this game came out. So I started playing with two of my friends and Meepy, and we decided that we were just doing really well in ranks. We had like a 32 win streak or something. So when the game came out, we thought, you know what, I'll make an ESL team, because it's been advertised and it looks a bit fun not take it seriously, I think we can go anywhere, just let's just play some competitive games because ranks are a bit easy. And uh, after a while, me and Meepy realized that we could actually maybe make something of this. Like we saw that the scene was probably about to kick off and that we could get in, uh, but we didn't manage to qualify for the first season because uh, we couldn't find a fifth player to join our team at the time. Uh, it eventually got to the point where we the team just wasn't working out. We both went our separate ways. He went to join Era, who then turned to Pedux, and I joined Penta as a sub. Ended up playing half the season, uh, and then eventually I ended up joining him back on Pedux. And then the journey from Pedux to ID Snows to IDK to Secret, mm. which has been quite a journey. Um, yeah, it's. I wanted. I was gonna sort of expecting to sort of. Uh, pry into how things sort of progressed from that point but you sort of jumped straight in there um oh, sorry no 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 uh so obviously yeah you've um definitely been here in the scene for quite a while so i was um curious how it sort of i suppose that late development from um from idk into team secret and how from where you started as IDK, things have changed in like to now. Are we talking pre this uh, Swedish players being on the team or post Swedish players being on the team, like with the French players joined? Hmm. It's probably best. Uh, let's talk post because uh, I suppose that covers the sort of your like your collective sort of personal development. <laughs> okay. Well. Mm -hmm. Just, I need to lower my camera slightly, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that should be better, I guess. Mm. Um, well, 
when the Swedish players left, obviously we had a void in the team. We had me, Meepy and Leon, three Brits, and we're looking for a team. Now initially we thought we'd try and get some more Brits in because you can have a bit we can have a big laugh, you know what I mean? And then it feels like there'd be that kind of nationality binding us together, so mess lightly for something to happen again. Because we had this issue where our team kind of split apart twice. Because once in the first invitational season, and then the second time in the next invitational season, we just ended up on our asses out of the Pro League um, for no fault of our own. Uh, so we decided to look for some British players, but it didn't work out. We couldn't find any British players, but instead uh, we found uh, LM and uh, <laughs> LM and Sis. And we gave Stithy a try to start with, and we really like Stithy. Like, he's a really nice guy. He speaks very good English, and he's just an all-round solid player. So we thought we'd bring Stithy in. Uh, same, uh, same for Lem. Like, Lem's a fantastic player. Everyone knows Lem's a player. He's got flashy kills. He's a good fragger. And uh, we decided to give him a try as well. Obviously, there's some past history with Lem uh, in the team, but <clears throat> we uh, gave him a shot, and it's worked out fantastically. When do we expect the next split after Rio? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> or at the very least, the next Invitational. <laughs> you guys need a sub on there so that it could be another contentious split. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll uh, we'll find someone. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, I don't know how to. I guess I guess the most recent oh. change really is that you guys are picking up Helby on the team how has that been in terms of like what has he been able to do and contribute i know he's been working at the same time so i, I imagine it's been a little bit limited but how's that been working out for you guys well helby's been pretty like instrumental in the, like how we've been doing things like at paris for example um because this is without work obviously he's there he was staying up like every night looking to our opponents and stuff it was massive how his impact was and for when we're at home he's like a stats master he's got like spreadsheets of what people play what they ban all this kind of stuff and it's really important this information because before it was more like well, what did they play in the last couple of maps what did they ban what do we think these players don't like whereas now it's like we got the stats to back everything up and we know these kind of things has that had an impact like in terms of actually i mean i know accuracy is going to be mixed back because people hold stuff back but has it had an impact on your guys' performance well in terms of performance uh no, but that's nothing to do with that. It's to do with more internal uh, issues we had going on for a while, but we kind of res started resolving them and working out through our issues. But in terms of like counter straying, counter banning, that's what been really effective. Hmm. So, as we're on the subject of stats, um, do you use CGG, and if so, how? Um, obviously, Helby's got quite a long relationship yeah. here so that there, there, there might be some bias yeah going from, from a healthy question to this feels very incestuous at the moment <laughs> <laughs> well i read a lot of the news articles because mm. some of them are quite interesting uh, i haven't read any for a little while because they've been more like situated around apac with the land mm. going on and stuff like that and i'm not totally interested in the apex land i'm going to be honest um but the highlight videos are always really good to watch that come out and the stats themselves, like the match stats and the season stats, as well as the infographics from like the Paris major and stuff like that are always really good to look at. So that's obviously how you use them. What 
if you could have anything from CCG, what would you want them to deliver? Or us, I suppose. Well, I was... Uh, you know, like, the old Chanka News videos where he'd summarise, like, the week's news in, like, mm -hmm. a small, short video? I think something like that would be quite good. Because, like, you know, not everyone likes reading articles, mm -hmm. whereas something like that could just summarise everything, maybe. Yeah, more like someone could just read the articles out loud and record yeah. that. Totally, yeah, that could work too. Something you could have yeah. on the background while you're playing yeah. Siege. That, that's that's quite an interesting uh, concept. I'm sure that's actually that's probably very very achievable um, from CGG. That's I'm sure there's there's people watching that will be writing that down to <laughs> <laughs> like like he said that we should do this. It's <laughs> starting next week. There'll be. Chanka News Network really is. As seeing as we have Chanka aboard here, yeah. lurking in the shadows somewhere, um, with his helmet on. Um, so, ooh, um, what did we cover? Um, so you're also, at the moment, along with all of the Pro League, um, involved with the UK Premiership. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been pretty fun. We've uh, we've only played two games so far. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the problem is is that it's a day before the pro league, and we can't go away and use all of our strategies and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. we've been we've been trying, of course, and we've been trying to have fun and enjoy the thing. But obviously, all of our serious strats have been kept at bay because we can't afford to use them. And that when let's say we're playing uh, mock it next week uh, we can't afford to use it on who we're playing on Wednesday because then mock it would count strata yeah but uh, like outside I suppose of the impact of the stratting yeah. um, you've obviously said that you're enjoying it and things how do you oh. uh, what do you think of like do you think it's an important thing um, to have things like this especially seeing as up until now that like as in I suppose since about September, there hasn't been an enormous amount of region-based stuff for the UK. Well, the UK has really suffered compared mm. to some of the other regions. Like France has had tournaments since day one, and the Netherlands—not Netherlands, sorry—the Nordic countries have all had like the Nordic national stuff and all that kind of stuff. And it's the UK kind of—it had the the Prem, but it was on Xbox, right? Yeah. And it's definitely better on PC because that's where those teams can grow and they can develop and actually use those skills that they develop there to take it to higher to like maybe the challenger league and then potentially the pro league but obviously the xbox was a dead end that's the highest you could get the prem right um the prem like i enjoy having it uh and that it's nice to meet more uk players that are competitively minded because obviously a lot of the people i've ran into there i've never met before mm. and like obviously i'm a bit biased but i think the uk humors hilarious and like you just get some bants before the game stuff like that so do you think that that sort of uh reluctance um has been sort of as a result of uk esports especially on computer not being as sort of developed yeah yeah probably I don't know why it hasn't been developed as in like other regions. I guess like, I, I'm assuming in other areas they also tell their kids that playing video games is a waste of their time. Um, that can't just be a UK thing, right? Yeah. Uh, um, 
like I used to be told that when I was younger. Like I was sitting there playing video games because it was my hobby. It's what I like to do. And then I told her I was wasting my time, but obviously they don't tell me that anymore. <laughs> I've been doing quite well with it. <laughs> and I guess maybe that puts people off, but I, I don't know. More I... tournaments will always be good. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, and you, you need things like that to sort of, I suppose, develop the scene. Um, yeah. Um, what I suppose I've had a long-standing feeling that gaming in the UK has obviously be, has favoured console gaming over PC gaming. I don't know whether you think that lines up or whether you have a different opinion on that. I'd agree with that. Like the amount of, obviously everywhere there's more console gamers than PC gamers. Mm. But it seems like PC gaming is like just dead in the UK compared to Xbox and console in general. Like the Prem had so many teams uh, in the the what was it the console pro league and all the tournaments and stuff like that, and the PC one was so much smaller. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like those console players, right? Like, for why why is the PC the one that's being focused mm-hmm. over the console? But obviously, it's, there are plenty of reasons for it. Obviously, a higher skill ceiling. But it's it's kind of sad. I'd, I'd like more people to uh, obviously join PC. Like whenever anyone popped to my stream back when I popped streams all the time, it's like, should I get a game on PC? Oh, of course you should. It's a much better experience. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, UK esports as we've covered, um, sort of, obviously like jumping all over the place. Um, you know, uh, we've obviously got a bit of a feel for the fact that you've been here for like in the scene for quite a long time, and um, but how do you, for those that in chat that don't realise, you're obviously a father, yeah. And how do you balance being a father with the esports? Well, my girlfriend's very supportive of everything I'm doing, and even before before I joined like a big org and managed to get a salary and stuff like that um but where are my notes here <laughs> uh obviously we don't scrim till around 7 p.m my time so during the day uh i'm still there i can pick her up i can take her to school um all these kind of things and i can spend time with her have dinner all this kind of stuff and then seven o'clock when she goes to bed anyway so she goes to bed i start my scrims and it's almost like I've gone off to work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm still there for the like the day where she's awake and she needs me. And then on Saturdays, we've got like a day off so I can spend time with my family. So I've got like a really good fa- work-life family balance. And the team's very supportive. Mm. Like if I need to have, if I message them in 10 minutes and said, hey guys, like something's popped up. Uh, I need to do some Gravia. They'd go, sure. We've just canceled mm. the scrim. Well, you mentioned earlier about the whole like kids and video games and uh, doing for a living. Are you going to then encourage her to play? Uh, oh. I mean, going to be like Tony Hawk with his kid and just you know, to- totally. I'm when I like I'm I'm thinking about uh, upgrading my PC soon when I get some prize money coming through, and I've still got my old graphics card. So what I might might do is just buy a case, put all that together, and just give her a, my old PC basically, uh, and then just <laughs> get her into gaming like. She's young, yeah. There aren't that yeah. many female competitive players, so you know, if I could teach her to play the game well, she'd do really well. Sort of early development, sort of uh, oh, talent yeah. hunting. You should read Reddit young so she can get used to the toxicity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Twitch chats to West. That's, yeah, that's what she needs there to spend time. Yeah. <laughs> while I'm while I'm playing, honey, you watch the Twitch chat as as you're on Pro League. You'll learn. Yeah. Especially watch during Cloud Nine. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's quite interesting. Would you would you put us straight onto Siege? Um. Well, obviously, there's like age regulations yeah, and stuff course. like that. And I don't think the shoe is probably the best first game to play because I think platformers are probably the best mm -hmm. first place for kids to start off with. They're just classics like Mario and stuff like that. And then when they get a bit better at that, you move them on to something like a proper game. <laughs> Fortnite probably makes an okay transition, something like that, because it's popular with yeah. like a lot of middle school kids and things like that. Yeah, that's true. That's a lot. Yeah. So working out a whole sort of life plan from first PC all the way to Pro League. Oh yeah, right. I'll, I'll get it planned out. I'll get it on like a whiteboard over my PC. He's coordinating with Ubisoft to make sure that ten-year plan includes <laughs> like a two, like a, a scholarship. Yeah. Tutelage on how the game works and all these kind of features. <laughs> you start seeing uh, sort of Ubisoft games as uh, university courses. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> six years time, you're suddenly three years studying Rainbow Six Siege at a I university. Mean, Ubisoft study just started venturing into esports now, right? Mm. So, by the time she's older, maybe. <laughs> well, if it had, maybe had maybe that'd be of... the giants of esports. Yeah. If, if it had the same lifetime as CS:GO, then yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And CS:GO is still going, obviously. So, yeah. that's open-ended as like in itself as well. So, that um, has that I suppose has being a father helped. Uh, maybe with resolving issues in the team or taught you any life lessons that you can now apply to playing Siege? I mean, it's just people get very... There's a lot of drama and stuff mm. like that and people get like pissed off about small things that they shouldn't really get bothered about because it's... Obviously, it's our job. Also, the small things are just... It's just drama between like basically kids in the scene, people with very little life experience so they don't... There's no reason to just get involved and get so focused on it. Just like obviously, there's bigger things in life, and don't get so wound up. You know what I mean? Hmm. And I suppose that there maybe there's the counter. Has Siege taught you anything that helps you be a better father? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just he just tries to apply those mute functions to his family. <laughs> Why are you still making noise? Gemma goes down. Yeah. Things like that. Um, okay, and um, so resolving issues um, uh, outside of being a father, how do you approach resolving issues in the team if you have something that you don't agree on or you have to make a decision and... Wait, that that is something you don't agree on. Never mind. But yeah, something you don't agree on, as an example. Well, if there's a disagreement in the team, obviously... The first thing you do is have a team meeting. You talk it out, you, your mm -hmm. viewpoints. So we've had disagreements in the past. Um, different, like let's say in the past, different org offers that came towards our way. You have mm -hmm. disagreed. Some people say, yeah, I'd like to sign. Some people say, no, I wouldn't. And it doesn't always go so well. Obviously, we saw with the old Oculus where the breakup happened because obviously disagreements. But it's just about like giving everyone your reasoning behind what you want to do something so they can understand where you're coming from. 
Mm. And that could be for smaller things as well, for like why I did this this round of the game. I did this because of this decision and this information. And if they see that, they can kind of see your thought process. So you're not just a moron. You yeah. it was a it was a choice. It might have been the wrong one, but it was a informed one. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Of course. So like you, this it's quite um interesting to see uh the sort of thought process across the team seems to be i suppose more mature than some other teams um do you think that's a uh i suppose like a factor as to why you're where you are now i don't know because at the end of the day where you are now it's about winning games right Mm. like being more mature obviously makes you more um like a more respectable organization is going to want a more mature team that aren't plastering all the time on like twitter ridiculous things constantly or aren't getting involved in massive drama plots and stuff like that so obviously it does make more sensitive for them to approach a more mature team but at the same time where you are now also is respective of your performance you could be the most immature kid in the world and if you kick ass at a game you can still be at the top you know yeah well speaking of which uh so Fabian lately uh, has a uh, no. He uh, I did want to bring this up though. The the whole the issue with lion and things like that. Now you guys do ban lion and things like that occasionally, but it, sometimes it's unbanned. And as the lion player of the team, for the most part, how do you feel about the whole situation in terms of? I got to imagine like you know it's it's something annoying to deal with, but occasionally you do have to play it, take advantage of it. Do you feel like uh, it's a situation you guys are just coping with? Well, lions, but the concept of lion is broken. But some people put Lion on this level above everything else. And in my mind, Lion's on the same level of broken as, say, Glass, where you can't see through the smoke. And Ying, where she can blind everyone on sight with no real effort. Or now uh, Clash, who applies a tremendous amount of pressure. It's incredibly hard to counter. And has this, even if you close the gap, she does a quick slitch and kills you. There's, like, I feel like people complain about one issue i want all these issues fixed i don't prioritize lion over the rest like lion's not the most broken operator in the game you know what i mean he's one of the broken operators in my mind so seeing as g2 is a subject here um what do you make i suppose was that I actually I suppose I should probably ask Emza, was that a direct reference to this petition that we've started to see appear? Well, I mean, obviously it's not the first time, you know, Fabian has complained about it. But yeah, I mean it's been in the news lately to the point where Forbes had an article and all that, and it's it's a big topic, but it's also a case of uh I think it brings up the larger question which Lackey was referring to in terms of, you know, broken operators in general, not just Lion. What do we do? We ban, we take maps out of the map pool. Why aren't we taking operators out of the operator pool? You know, you look at something like Favela or Planer House. Those were ones that were that became fundamentally broken in Pro League, so they got taken out. Is it? Do we actually do something similar with operators once we get to a certain operator point, so that the operator bans could be used more strategically, um, things like that? And I, I mean, that's a broader question for Ubisoft as well. But I think it's, it does open up an interesting thought process that we can see some precedent. I guess the problem with it is 
with maps and bomb sites, it's quite objective. You go, well, this team, this bomb site on this map, seventy percent of the time attack win, and then if if attacks win the most in all the bomb sites, then obviously that map isn't balanced and probably shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, with operators, there are a lot more factors. You know what I mean? Like a lion might have an eighty percent win rate. But it might not have anything to do with him or his abilities. It might also be to do with his synergy with another operator, for example, like Dokubi. And I'm not. I'm just using Lion as an example. So there are other factors taking into account. Like, what would you get banned? Like, if you should ask me what I'd ban from ESL, I'd list every single shield operator off the bat. Uh, and then Ying, Glass, Lion, Dokubi. You know what I mean? But then it's subjective. Someone else might want to ban something completely different. You know. Do you think, obviously, I suppose minus Glaz, all of those operators are were not like base game operators. Do you think those are examples of uh, power cre- power creep? So as new content is added, it is more and more overpowered. I definitely agree. The game suffers from power creep. We're just looking at the year one operators and the guns that are coming out now. Like back in year one, you had trade offs where Hulse's gun has very little recoil but it has a very slow fire rate. But now there are guns out now that have very slow recalls, but very fast fire rates. And there's just no differentiation between this gun's just objectively better than this gun, and the ability is about on the same path, so Pulse is just a worse operator than this in general. Obviously, you might feel more comfortable with the operator, and you might fall back on it, but let's say Vigil's gun's better than Pulse's. His ability is more uh, situational, but Pulse's gun is pretty awful in my opinion a lot of people go oh pulse is going to headshot machine but name one that isn't right now you know um and its fire rate just makes it much worse and i feel like they either need to buff some of the older operators or tone down the guns that are adding to the game because it feels like the guns that are adding to the game are up here and the guns that were in the game are down here and the gap is just widening every expansion that's really that's really interesting because Often the, the the point of discussion is obviously the abilities of these new ops, um, and we don't see that much discussion really centered around the weapons. I su- I suppose aside from Ellen's Ella's yeah. um, I was going to mention unless they're like just obscene like Ella's gun, yeah. Um, the like unless it's absolutely ridiculous, um, yeah. and I think the only reasoning that i can think of that we might see out of the ev devs is oh but it's got less damage but that doesn't make it that's fine at lower levels but at a pro league level right surely it doesn't matter because most of the sh- like so many m- more like by percentage head headshots are being well we see with um with the rogue one stats and stuff he makes where the damage a gun does is very very like the difference let's say they buff it by four damage that might make zero effect on gameplay unless you're shooting someone at the leg across the map mm. you know what i mean so the, the the amount of damage a gun does is insignificant compared to its fire rate because even at the lower level a, a four increase of damage might mean the same amount of shots to kill it might make zero difference so fire rate is the the kind of variable that should be changed the most in my mind but obviously, mm. the issues come with fire rate. You need animation changes and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, because that would be that. Would, yeah, because you've got the whole um, like each cycle going back. Um, 
which would have to I don't know how the game's built yeah I don't know whether anyone knows um whether or not you could literally just you know put a reduce the speed like turn the a dial back or something but um any game where you have to sync animations across multiplayer and stuff too I gotta imagine that does become problematic to do mm, and yeah. it's not just like a simple switch but I, but I do gotta agree that rate of fire I feel like especially at the pro league level is like mm. the the biggest temperature because even at the low level like you take something like the SMG 11 when the recoil wasn't as bad it, it feels like a lottery system right where the 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 faster you can spray bullets the the more chances you have to win the headshot lottery even if you're bad at the game I and mean, look at Sorry, yeah, I, I cut you out. So you continue. <laughs> no, I mean, I, this, this, it pretty much is just you. You aim towards the head, and depending on the recoil pattern and how fast you can spray out bullet, you can land headshots that even if you're not great. Yeah, I was gonna say, look at the F two. Like the F two, if you aim around the head, you're gonna get a headshot. There's so many bullets in such a short amount of time. There's no way you don't. And that's the thing with vertical recoil and high fire rate with the F2 as an example. I think it's one of the one of the guns where you can generally be a bad player and start at the body and it throws out so many bullets so fast but kicks upwards right towards the face. It has a tendency to either kill off the body shots or hit a headshot towards the end of that. Yeah, it does the work for you. Hmm. Poor SMGs lately, though. <laughs> Not doing so great on that uh, spectrum. For now, until it, yeah. I presumably it'll come back around, and we'll see another SMG nerf in the future because they've got buffed because someone thought they were underpowered, a bit like Blitz. Um, and <laughs> um, in the same way that presumably at some point it'll be more heavily nerfed and then buffed again. Um, uh, I suppose that's sort of moving. It actually almost moves the game uh, towards that. Um, that meta cycle that you see out of things like Dota, where you've got a meta and then they will tweak low, like sort of half of the um, the characters that you can play or more to change the way the game plays for a bit. And then they'll change it again in like a couple of weeks time. Um, but that like the scale of that kind of work must be enormous for for something like Dota, which compared to Siege probably isn't set up in the same way. Well, Ubisoft always said that they like to change the meta, right? Mm. Like they they bring an operator specifically to change the meta every season. So I guess instead of reworking champions and pushing them like in a certain direction, like Dota would, they just bring out the new operators and they make them powerful enough that the meta has to change because it has to revolve around what they're doing or how they affect it. Mm. I don't know. I mean, and my problem with that is. Uh, a lot of times when you look at that mentality, and I know they are heavily inspired by MOBA design, is sometimes those MOBAs take, they go too extreme a lot of times with the balance changes and stuff, and they tend to rework operators in extreme ways to to where people don't necessarily like playing that same operator anymore or, uh, you know, shift the meta a lot. Whereas you take a look at certain operators that have, like, really strongly come into the meta later on with no changes. The two easiest examples I could think of being Castle and Capitao. Castle took a little while, but then it was, it's been kind of, uh, you know, a huge part of the game since then. Capital was kind of in a place where Castle was when he first started coming back. And there was, outside of like a slight para buff a while ago, hasn't really seen much changes. Now you could say there was maybe changes around him. But again, that, that comes down to not necessarily having to buff an operator to make them suddenly viable. Well, Capital's received like, not a buff, but he's received like a... I can't remember what the terminology is. A buff by association to something else. Um, the the reason why Capital's played more is because Clash is an operator. 
and Clash is one of the capitals, one of the reasons ways you can actually hurt Clash because you can stop her walking forward, you can burn her. It's very hard to kill a Clash with Capital because you need to like get them pixel perfect and both of them. Uh, but you can do enough to discourage her and combine mm -hmm. her with like Sophia are the only two counters to Clash we actually have right now. And that's where you've seen Capital played more. So most lineups will contain a Capital too because he's got smokes as well as the fact he can counter a possible Clash as Sophia because she just has so much utility. Uh, she can stop bandit tricks, she can make holes, she's got a good gun, she can do everything. You've got your hard breacher, you've got your inf your uh, electronic destroyer, so probably a Thatcher or a IQ or something like that, and then you've got your nades, right? Mm. So th that's kind of how it's worked out right now, and that's how most teams are running it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like even when Clash is banned, like Capital's come back in for other reasons in terms of like, I noticed smoke planting is, is such a more core part now. I think part of that... I mean, it, just my opinion, obviously, you have different strategies and whatnot, but uh, is, is somewhat down to time management as well. A lot of teams are getting more desperate in terms of time management, in terms of getting plants down. So smoke plants are becoming more important. You don't necessarily have time to clear ADSs. Sometimes you can't get people out of corners with nades. It's like, because Jaeger's in the game too, Capital becomes that much more useful in both getting people out of corners and for plants as well, because then you don't have to clear it. You don't have to try and find where those are. Things like that, as well as uh, just providing the ability to cover different entrances reliably in a way that sometimes grenades maybe can't. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I definitely feel like um, the game's getting more complicated. And like obviously, people are getting better at wasting the attacker's time to the point where if they, if they do it effectively, the attackers essentially have to YOLO the plant because that's just how it works. You see a lot of rounds now where people just go for kills in the last 30 seconds because... They, I, they need to do that in order to secure the plant because otherwise it's just not going to get it down. Everyone has to play like Vitality then? <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> Isn't that a scary prospect? Um, <laughs> but uh, so we've obviously brought up Clash quite a bit. What's, what do you make of Maverick? Because we've seen, we've seen Maverick play from... Some people have been very quick to try and adapt him and others have been quite reluctant to get involved with Maverick? Well, the problem is there isn't really room for him. Like, mm. I feel like the change... I feel like there's certain balance changes that Ubisoft have made that have kind of forced you into taking certain operators. Like, mm. I feel like you almost need a Zofia for that utility because she does some certain things that some of the older operators do combined. Um taking an IQ now is an active decision that you have to replace something that's very important like nades or soft destruction you can't just take an IQ and she's got nades and that's okay that's your nades and your info denial gun but you can't make coals from it and then you can take your soft bridge as well so I felt like some of the changes they've made so I have to, ha if I want an IQ I can't have a maverick because I need my soft destruction I need my hard destruction I need my capital, my Sophia, to deal with, let's say, a clash and smokes as well. So I've only really got one variable I can move around. And Maverick, is, whilst he's a fantastic operator, and those holes are do need to make more sound. At the same time, you can't afford to take him move around because then you might not be able to see valve camps, or you might not be able to, uh, I don't know, buck a hole in the floor if you need to do that or something like that. If you need to take a different operator, I personally feel like they should give IQ her, her nades back so she can feel 
both of those roles so you've got a bit more freedom of picking up our players mm. but I feel like the way the meta is right now is quite constricted. You have to take certain operators, otherwise you've not really got everything you need. You can kind of wing it, but if you want a jack of all trades kind of like operator lineup, that's just what you have to do. So it's that's funny why because a lot of teams don't run them. Ubisoft usually says that that's the reason why they do that, right? They, that's why they took away Thermite's grenades was the exact same reason they took them away from Capital, or the exact same reason they took away yeah. from IQ, the jack of all trades thing. But then they introduce operators like Zofia. So it's like they kind of, you know, on one hand, and they have said it's two different sets of designers, right? You've got the ones that design the operators and the ones that do the balance changes. So yeah. maybe there's some different mindsets there of, you know, this one group wants it to be not jack of all trades. This other group wants people to want to use this operator in place of some other ones and have more flexibility. Well, I think both the decisions were from the same people because I mean, that was before they made the balance team, right? But I mean, some same... of those were, yeah. At the same time, I feel like the, the a problem the game suffers from right now is, as I was talking about, you need to take certain operators. So you can't be as flexible. You can't go make a wacky design where you take six grenades and you try to bombard the bomb site through a window. You can't do that because you need smokes and you need a heart breacher. And maybe there's a, a Valkyrie camera outside you need to deal with. So maybe you need an IQ, you know? So it's a lot more constricting and it kind of stifles the creativity with the lineups you can do in my do mind. Maverick would get more of a pick had they left his smoke grenades in? Yeah, yeah, probably. Because um, you could use him instead of maybe a Capital or a Legion. Not Legion, sorry. <laughs> or a Dokubi, uh, I guess. Yeah. Or a Jackal. <laughs> be mm. Jackal, uh, anything like that. Because he could fill that kind of wrong. Because you're taking them for the smokes, but the obviously the fire is helping with uh, a Clash and also Info Denial. He could do the same thing. Maybe the issue too is that like you take something like Thermite, right? Thermite's played plenty despite the fact that he's fairly one-dimensional. I mean, he doesn't have smokes. All he can do is open a wall. His gun is not necessarily you something you would choose him just for. So he's very one-dimensional, but he still get run gets run plenty because Maverick's capability to open a wall just is not necessarily the same. Maybe if it was closer or he was more of a replacement for Thermite. I guess like... Maverick is a hard breacher, but he isn't, if you get me. Because, like, you're not going to be using him to open holes and walls very often. The majority of the time, you're just making little kill holes. Like, maybe you'll make a punch hole and you'll look for it and be secret, like, sneaky, and hope someone turns the corner without noticing it and you just get a free kill. That's kind of how he's used. But also, he's got a lot of utility in denying bandit charges. But then, you're not going to make the hole with him. You're just sitting there, you're making the whole sort of bandit, and then you're using the actual thermite, the one you want to get the wall open, after him. Because you can't sit there and just blow torch an entire hole because he'll die. So he's not the role of a hard breacher, he's more like a supported hard breacher, if that makes sense. Mm. Like Thatcher, you know, yeah. some people. Yeah, kind of. Him a little bit. Thatcher with a yeah. blowtorch. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, they are going to rework Thatcher, so maybe it'll be a situation where he will or won't. Uh, work as a replacement for Thatcher, depending on the rework they do with him. Because they, they have said that uh, the reason they're doing the disables and going with the non-binary stuff is they're looking at a longer-term rework of Thatcher. I'm not sure what that will entail necessarily, but uh, definitely could be something down the road where Maverick makes a little more sense then. Yeah. I mean, I hope they don't change Thatcher too much. I think it's good where he is right now, personally. Yeah. It goes back to that kind of uh, MOBA thing that I was talking about, where sometimes they'll really rework an entire operator. And I know that's something that Ubi does, but you're right, because it's kind of like his identity, and that's that you were talking about earlier, where 
people don't want to play the operator anymore because it doesn't feel like the same one. Like operators have an identity. You don't want to move too far from that, right? Yeah, I think the most extreme example, which uh, definitely came up in discussion last week when I uh, had Lycan here, was reworking like the the problems of reworking Tachanka and having him as a viable operator versus what he is now, which is quite a significant meme. But yeah. he's there not necessarily to be a viable operator. I mean, the concept of a turret just will never work in a game mm. like Siege, right? With the amount of destructibility, you can always be shot from above, below, behind, the side, directly in front of you through a, a hole you can see it literally led down across the map. Like, it's not going to work. But obviously, removing the turret, he's not Tachanka. You know? Exactly. So either you keep him in the game as a broken mess, or that he's a meme, so it's it's not bad having him. You could just keep him as he is because people enjoy it, right? Mm. They think it's funny. They take it for a bit of a laugh. Or you can try and rework it, and then you've lost that character's identity. Kind of reminds me of uh, what they did with Capcan, where they tried a few different approaches. He is a... I mean, going back to his original design compared to now, in some ways, fairly different. The lasers work very differently. He gets a lot more of them. He works as more of a roamer now. Uh, things like that, but at the same time, he's still almost stuck at the chunk of level pick rate. Yeah, but it's, it's at the end of the day, a drone can see that that device, right? And it's quite striking. Like, I run into a lot, but that's because <laughs> I guess I'm not very observant. Um, but obviously, what he's designed is for the, the masses, right? And the masses spend their time droning this doorway and stuff like that because they don't know. If I drone a room, I know where someone's going to be stood because I've got the game experience. I know this is the most efficient place to be stood, and that's where you see people get frustrated. They're like, why are you there? You know what I mean? He's like led down behind a box that you can't escape from, and it's like, you shouldn't be there. But obviously, if you're new to the game, or if you don't, you're not obviously like a diamond player or something, you'll drone the entire room, and you'll find stuff like that that a pro player might not because they'll just assume nothing's there because... You've got time and you've got to constantly think about the time where they're not, you know. Yeah, I was thinking the other day, I would love to see um, them do some sort of defensive operator that's just focused on drone hunting and drone denial. Because Mute, at this point, at least at the higher levels, doesn't seem to be very effective at doing that. So there doesn't really seem to be much. I mean, I guess Maestro can a little bit as well, but it's just there's not a lot of really active drone denial in the game. Everyone's Everything's just kind of like semi-passive, like Mute or Vigil not doing a whole lot to deny it, whereas the drone economy, now that it's such a thing in the game, it would be interesting to see an operator that could do a bit more against that. Well, I don't know if it's too much of an issue, because obviously I, I find myself in games where I'm like, I don't have a drone anymore. My drones are dead. Can you drone this room for me? Obviously, at the end of the day, you just shoot them, right? But obviously, a drone denial operator would be something they probably introduce, because... They're going to run out of ideas for certain things at some time. You've got to expand, right? But um, I don't know if we're screaming for it right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just mean it like works as like an accessory to what you're saying about Capcan, or say you're bringing Frost, or oh. many many other operators that uh, that you know have trouble with that. Not to mention, uh, obviously, Mirror Windows against Twitch and things like that. It, like it, it works as more of some. I don't know. I shouldn't be spitballing <laughs> ideas, but I just thought that was interesting, and relevant yeah. to what you're saying about Capcan. It's. Or it'll come out as some sort of mute or get a buff and it will suddenly become a global ability and, you know, <laughs> get, something, get something terrible like that. Because um, globals are fun. That's, that's what we all want, isn't it? Yeah. 
Um, I, I don't fundamentally disagree with the globals like many other people do, but I do agree with the idea that uh, risk being involved is a good idea. Well, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I kind of disagree with globals, but I, I think there could be some way to introduce like a, a global that wouldn't be broken. But obviously the effect of it would have to be very minimal in order to make up for that, right? Well, like, Finkert doesn't feel very broken. Well, yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, no one cares about Finkert's global. If anything, people are annoyed by it because it's like, well, I'm used to this recall. Now mm. I'm aiming up at the sky. Um, but... That being said, Finkert brought Finkert this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, they did. I don't, I don't so, some people try. I don't think she's going to kick off and be like uh, no. one of the most banned operators anytime soon, but... Yeah, that's... Um, yeah, well, I was going to say, speaking of the most bad operators thing, what do you think they need to do to Mira to get it into a position where it's still something people want to play, but not something people feel like they need to ban constantly? Because you guys are a team that definitely bans Mira. Not that there's any team that really doesn't at this point, but... I don't think they can do anything to Mira to make her less banned without making her too weak. I think it's not the problem that she's too strong. I think the, the issue is that she changes the way the game's played. And you can opt out of playing that way if you just ban her, right? You can change the way the entire map and the the game will play out by banning that one operator. It's not that she's broken, it's that she's impactful, do you get me? And obviously the only way you'll get around that is by adding more impactful operators into the game. So you have to choose. And I think Clash is one of those, but at the same time she's overtuned and OP. Because some teams will choose to ban Clash instead of a mirror now. Because they don't want to deal with that roaming clash that's got like an echo drone and like, another player behind them, and it's going to go hunt all your fucking <laughs> players that are going to go kill the roamers because it's awful. <laughs> it's the walking mirror, anyways, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, what else have we do we have on the list? And G two came up earlier. I almost went into this and suddenly changed my direction. Um, Obviously, they are sitting quite far above the pack um, at the moment in the standings. What do you think it is that separates them and their play style from the rest of the pack? I think they're just separated from not just Europe, but the world. Mm. With and, and the way I describe it is just the one word, consistency. Is that on a good day, and we play, we're playing well, I think we could beat G2. And I think we could we could beat them, um, but we don't always have those good days. Sometimes we have a bad day. Sometimes we're mediocre. Sometimes we make a couple of mistakes, but we pull it through. But they don't seem to make those mistakes right now. They, I don't know if it's because they've been playing together so long as a roster, um, but their level of play is so consistently high. And that's the difference, right? They're not unbeatable. It's just that you couldn't beat them ten times in a row, because the consistency that they've got is that they'll more likely to beat you 10 times in a row because they're not going to mess up one of those games whereas you're going to mess up maybe two, you know? Maybe that comes down to what Fabian and London talk about, about that resetting mentality thing and just their general mentality on the game where they maybe don't play as emotionally as a lot of other teams. Well, yeah, I think playing emotionally is both like a gift and a burden, right? Like we're quite an emotional team and when things go right, we play even better. And that that's a that's a thing. Like we're if we're doing well and we're feeling good and we're playing against a team like G two, we'll win rounds. We'll kill them. We'll do really well. But if something it takes a turn for worse, then 
someone's going to get a bit disheartened and that's going to show in the way they they speak and then the team morale will go down and that's the disadvantage of being an emotional team is that you'll play worse it's like a trade-off right whereas maybe maybe they're robots <laughs> <laughs> that resetting is then being turned on and off again yeah. um <laughs> just plugged into the wall um yeah that's it's interesting they are um i think the consistency it's been a running theme when we've been doing things like the pre-shows and post-shows here and looking at the 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 week-by-week gameplay and it's always it's primarily the french teams and the latin american teams um much more passionate cultures to begin with yeah and so i think that's been we've been sort of arguing the point that sometimes the consistency we see out of the French teams and the Latin American teams is sometimes because they play more emotionally. So when it goes, as you say, for a secret, like when it goes well, it goes well. But when it goes badly, it goes horribly. Yeah. Um, and, I feel like yeah. mm. it's like by some magnitude, especially with mm. Latin teams. Like we see them either playing really well and hitting every single shot, or it just kind of crumbles. Yeah, it's interesting because it's like G two has a lot of people from different kind of colder regions. You know, you've got a Swedish player, you've got a Finnish player, you've got a, a Danish player, uh, and then you've got Goga, who is one from a, you know a, a more Latin region. It's like, oh, is he the odd man out? Is that why he has such so games where he's just on a killing streak, and then games where he's just planting, and that's about it. I don't know. It's uh, obviously when you're getting killed, it's a lot about your opportunities as well, right? Like, obviously, Goku doesn't have that much opportunity to show off how good he is. And in the same way, let's say uh, Pengu has more opportunities to kill people because of the roles he plays. Um, it's like obviously we look at a lot of players and we go, oh well, if you ask anyone to make a best team players in the world list, it'll just be five fraggers, you know. And obviously. They get the kills, but that's that's they're in the opportunity to do so. So Goga's a fantastic player, and maybe it does take some role. Maybe he's a bit more emotional than the rest of the team, but I haven't played him enough to tell. But obviously, when he doesn't get kills, it's not necessarily that he's in a bad mood. He might just not have the opportunity to. He might walk in and instantly get C4'd. <laughs> you know, it's not his, it's not his fault. <laughs> That definitely happens, especially for Thermite players, I got to imagine. Speaking of consistency then uh, and G2, the whole topic of best of ones is the other kind of contentious issue at the moment that Fabian likes to bring up famously. Um, You know, you're talking about how G2 will win 10 out of 10 games, yet they're the ones to complain the most vocally about best of ones, but they're the ones in the end, in theory, by being more consistent team that benefit from that. Where do you guys stand on that? I wouldn't say they're the most vocal about playing the best of ones. I think that title belongs to C9. (laughs) <laughs> but um i don't i think that everyone's right like bo1s are bad but at the end of the day if you play 14 bo1s and you're last or you're first you deserve to be there right because at the end of the day it was 14 games it's a lot of games it's a big sample size you know um and i think i don't think you could find anyone that would disagree that bo1s are bad oh, uh, like it's it's quite it's the agreed upon point i think the bigger thing to talk about personally is draws and if draws are okay because there is more of a debate there to be had where 
some people disagree and some people agree with draws. Whereas everyone goes, BR1's a bad. Hmm. Fair point there. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think, uh, like you said, everyone would prefer, you know, more ma more maps in a match and things like that. And it's just a case of like, you know, there's obviously limitations that are a factor. Um, but in the draws thing, it's a similar sort of situation. But assuming you couldn't go infinite overtime, what do you think would be an acceptable solution to I draw? Think the, uh, I think the only acceptable solutions are infinite overtime or as it is now. Because if you do overtime to a certain level, there's always going to be the coin flip bias. There always is. Like, imagine how many games have been won in the past over the coin flip bias. There's got to be at least, like, several influential games that would have changed tournaments in the past, right? Well, what if Whereas, it wasn't a coin flip and it was decided off of some other factor for like sides? I, I don't know. I, whoever bans first, map, seating, any, I, any number of factors that could go into that? Well... Then it will go down to strategic map banning and stuff like that. But at the same day, someone's forced. It's out of someone's control because they don't get to choose who bans first. It's a coin flip that or determined on previous results, stuff like that. I just personally feel like draws are fine. I know it's anticlimactic, and I know that some people go, I'd like to see more. I'd, I want to see who wins. But sometimes two teams play as well as each other. I think the way to avoid draws is to make games longer. If like they, maybe it goes to more rounds before it gets to Yeah, exactly. It, well, it's just it's like uh, right now there's 10 rounds. Maybe if there was 16, there would be less draws. There'd be less room for... Because you only play five rounds in attack, five rounds in defense. Now, that sounds like a lot, 10 rounds. But you only go to the same site. Like, let's say you won every one of your defenses. You'd go to the same site twice in the entire time. Right? Because you've got your main site, your second site, your off site, and you go main site, second site. So there's not really much adaption you can do between those two, right? Whereas if it went to eight rounds, you'd play each bomb site uh, at least twice. You'd play, what, to one of them once again? The twice again, sorry? Two of them, the first you'd play three times? So there's a lot more room for adaption and change. So the attackers can go, well, they did this, we'll do this instead, so we can maybe get the chance. The, uh, the win this time, for example. And would you would you want that? Say, let's continue with that sort of sixteen round um, hypothetically. Would you want that eight one side, eight attack, eight defense, or would you want to go back to switching each time, or would you do four attack, four defense, four attack, four defense? Well, when this first came out with the the, the attack and then the defend all in a row, I was a little bit skeptical i didn't know how it turned out but i think everyone quite likes it now it definitely it's much better to you don't have to like swap gun every single round for example if you're if you're playing an upright that needs to be there like say fermite you can use fermite's gun until you switch to someone else's mm -hmm. as well as the fact that like it's just the issue before is that you'd go you'd lose in a round and then you go into a different attack. You'd say you lose the defense when you go to attack. You might talk about the defense round about how you want to change that round um, the next time. But at the same time, you're just clogging up comms for the attack round now. But you're talking about something that's in the past and you can't. It's not feasible for the next three minutes. And then you mm -hmm. go back to it. And then by the time you've gone back to that, you're talking about the attack round and what went wrong. So 
it was kind of like hard to keep track of and change stuff but it's, when it's all in a row you can go we just lost that site we can take it again right now what do we want to change hmm. you know what i mean it's, it's actually relevant for the next three minutes i guess then continuing on the topic of changes for the season what do you guys think in terms of sixth pick is it something you guys use do you feel like i mean let's say theoretically it was a little bit shorter of a phase because i know the length is obviously an obvious issue but outside of that like strategy wise is it something that factors in your guys' game at all? Uh, I'd say yes and no. I don't know how much of an impact it has. I know it can have an impact and stuff like that, but at the same time, it, it's only one operator. They can't change it that much. They're one operator, and a lot of the time it's very readable, right? Like, for example, if uh, someone doesn't have an info operator and they go, oh, well, they're going to swap to IQ. For example, is sometimes you can read it. You know, if someone so always plays a different operator, then chooses to another one. Like when it first came out, uh, back before uh, people used to ban Lion all the time, we'd go, "Oh, lucky, don't play Lion, play something else." And sick picture, and I'm like, "Why? They know I'm going to play Lion because Lion's <laughs> overpowered, and we need to run him." And I'm our Lion main. They say, "Oh, they have a Lion. What's going to sick picture do? Well, it's going to be Lion." Mm. You know, it's very readable a lot of the time. So I don't know how much of an impact it has on. Like mid round, like mid round decisions, stuff like that. Time has been something that uh, seems to have been a running theme with a few things. When you initially suggested, why not make the matches longer? I thought you meant yeah. by making the rounds longer. Are the rounds enough? Is three minutes enough in a round? Well, that's what I said on Twitter the other day and it was it wasn't like my opinion that it's just it's not enough and it's awful I just wanted to see how people felt about it in the community because I, I, I'm not totally sure but I, I just feel like sometimes the attackers don't have time to do what they need to do and that's why the la it's going more and more common where teams are running out of time and they'll be planting and then if someone throws a C4 and that guy dies it's the rounds over because that's happening more and more and more because you've got to clear what you want and then the countering what they're doing to stop you doing that is getting more complex because players are getting smarter operators are allowing them to do more um, like if there's a clash there you got to deal with the clash then you open the floor to start the bandit tricking then you breach the wall then you clear from the other side so you can attack from two sides and then you've got to go in and drone for information but you might not get to that point it might go well we just cleared the other side of the map but now there's 30 seconds left, so we've not got time to drain. Hmm. We've got to smoke up and go for a plant, or smoke up and go for kills, you know? And I feel like sometimes there isn't enough time, but obviously that's not an agreement, that's not an uh, opinion that everyone shares, that's just how I personally feel like. I know the G2 guys were quite vocal in disagreeing with me, but obviously if you're at the top of the mountain, a change isn't really something you want, right? Hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know, I just feel like a little bit longer not i'm not talking long i'm talking like 20 30 seconds might make mm. the difference in order to give teams enough to maybe something goes wrong earlier in the round maybe their hard breacher not hard resemble their soft breacher dies so they can't breach the floor they can't deny the bandit all this kind of stuff so they go okay everyone gather building we're going to loop around we're going to go to the other side and you can go try something else whereas mm. there isn't time in my opinion anymore i guess i mean for me i could see 15 seconds being uh, something that would not change every round, but would change a few rounds, and maybe that would make enough of a difference. Because it would be those those situations where you're already down to the wire, and that 15 seconds can be a lot, I would think, 
30 seconds, the only reason I feel like 30 seconds might feel long is when you're playing a casual and, and you know when those, you're playing those four minute rounds and you're just like, oh my God, this is the longest round ever. And that's only a minute difference. Whereas I don't know if 30 is, uh, is too different. But at the well, same time, like I feel like there's been other suggestions that kind of go in tandem with it in terms of viewership wise, like, you know, finding ways to shorten the prep phase, for example, like bringing in the reinforcement animations from Outbreak and, uh, and things like that to where we can s sort of look for ways to shave off some time so that the viewers aren't bored because this is a slower game, but then find ways to also extend another area so the strategy's still there. Well, I definitely agree with the animation changes. So there's no reason for it to take so long, right? Like right now, if you're a castle, you've got to impact two walls, reinforce two other walls, put down three castle barricades, run around the map to place them. You might be doing it into the, like 30 seconds into the round sometimes for certain strategies. Same with Jaeger too. Yeah, Jaeger, Mirror, uh, Smoke if he's got to make a lot of holes, stuff like that. There's a lot of things that it would affect. And I feel like definitely feel like it'd be a positive change to reduce that. Um, and I, I, like there are, no, I'm going back to quickly about the adding like extra 15 seconds or something. There are very, uh, some of the critics people put forward to what I was saying is like very, very true. Like it gives attackers more time to clear roamers, which wasn't exactly what I was thinking about when I made the post. I was thinking more about the execute. That's true. It could, uh, oh, sorry, my screen just went black. I've not touched it for a while. <laughs> it would give um, more time for stuff like that. And it would make defenders' lives a bit harder in that case. But I feel like in the end, the trade-off might be worth it. I feel like in exchange for that, you would nerf some of the attackers or you add that and then you disable some of the more uh, potent like fucking operators like Ying or uh, Liam. Mm. Something like that will, will drastically make a difference with that extra 15 seconds. Mm. Yeah, it would be... Um, well, even the Lion, I mean... You just you'd have so much more time anyway. Um, if you, especially for the, I suppose not so much at the pro level, maybe I don't know. Um, but for the perhaps that initial line before the plant's gone down, um, if that's missed time, then you've still got quite a lot of time. Yeah. Um, what for some? I suppose you could also have you'd have more time for slightly more um, thought. You could potentially give more prep time or you, if you had the same amount of prep time, but shorten the animations, you'd be, you'd have potentially more prep time to finish doing everything. Cause even as you've said, for some operators, like it's an awful lot to do in a very short space of time. And rather than that possibility that you miss time something and it's the whole strat that you've presumably prepped and worked on yeah. then isn't executed as you were hoping. And potentially that could be win or loss. If it's something minor that then proves to be a major flaw in the design of the strat because something's been forgotten about. It's... Maybe. I don't know. Really. I don't, maybe it's, it's a tricky thing. It's there's so many variables at play. Like yeah. even if you just like let's say you shortened the uh, the prep phase by like ten seconds, right? And then sped up the reinforcements. But then all of a sudden now that influences like uh, how fast you shotgun the floors and whether or not you're doing yeah. those setups late or I, other animations or how long they have the drone for attackers. Well, I I personally don't agree with lowering the prep phase. 
I just grew speeding stuff up. I think the amount of time is necessary because there aren't a big part of prep phase isn't reinforcing walls. Mm. You know what I mean? It is making holes, all this kind of stuff. Like there are some elaborate strategies people have made up and stuff like that. And the majority of the time, people are just shotgunning holes and walls. And I don't, I don't if even if the engine would support speeding up the like fire rates and movement speeds midway through a game, then turning it back down or something like that. But I, I just feel like keeping it where it is, speeding up the animation, and then that's just enough, really. Maybe speed up the animations for placing gadgets. I don't know. I kind of wonder if maybe we could um, Im- improve the viewership during the prep phase in terms of the game feeling slow. If, for example, attackers were able to do more. I mean, I don't know what that would be. I'm just saying that, like spitballing that in terms of the idea of if there was more for the attackers to do. Because right now, one thing we're never spectating, right? Most of the time is droning. Because, well, that's pretty dull to spectate. Yeah. But let's say there, if there was some way, I mean, I know it sounds dumb, but you remember if the original Rainbow Six, you could make tack plans on like the map and stuff like like oh. if there were a way to make, you know, just some kind of prep phase stuff you could do for the attackers or to make it more advanced callouts or pings. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. it, maybe if we could make it more entertaining for the viewers during the uh, the prep phase for the attackers, then no one cares about how long it takes for prep. Phase. I f- I think that'd be cool. It's just a problem with how we did do it, right? Like. That would a tap map and stuff like that, or anything like that. Like you're not going to be able to force pro players to do it, you know, because they don't necessarily need to. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of it's it's a boring part of the game, but it's a necessary part of the game, you know. Maybe it's something on the production side where they can do something else, or they can have it shortened, and something else is going on on screen, or something like that. I don't know if there's anything you could do in game. I think it's more for the production to try and make that more exciting, personally. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a necessary evil. What would you want to see then from the production to make it more exciting? I, I have no idea. No <laughs> I idea mean, I guess we could do highlights and like little picture in picture or something. Yeah. Anything. Or little pop up facts like we had in Milan. Yeah, that'd be mm-hmm. fantastic. Like, did you know fucking Reduals has a 1.4 KD and 22 headshots? <laughs> you yeah. know, it's just something like that. Or maybe those those attacker bands that we're talking about during the beginning of the show. We just display those when people are picking those off. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, question out of chat. Um, thoughts on one-speed attackers? There aren't many versus defense, which has quite a few. Well, the problem with one-speed attackers is a big part of attack is rotating. Like, maybe I've got grenades, and maybe... Meepy calls me over there because he needs grenades, so I need to rappel onto the roof. I run across because it's a safer way to do it. I go for my nades, but then I'm needed back where I was before, so I need to go run over there across there. And if I was at one speed, the round would be over. That that's the problem. It's just you, the attackers need to be more mobile because they've got more stuff to do in different places. Whereas the defenders, really, unless you're a Roma, you just stand still, right? Mm. For the most part. Yeah, especially if there's a lion. Um, <laughs> just down the still forehead um, so I hope that answers your question Donut um, what do you make of uh, APAC I know that's something that um, you said in regards to the news articles earlier was something that didn't interest you as much um, APAC is obviously quite a developing region but we are consistently only seeing for the most part two teams out of APAC yeah. at the international level? Well, every time I talk about APAC, I feel like I'm just putting them down and talking shit about the scene. 
because mm. I'm quite blunt on my opinions on APAC that it's it's not a new scene anymore, right? We've, it's been around for quite a long time. And whilst they've been getting out of the group stages at Lands, they've never been in the quarterfinals. So they've never been a top four team. They've only been top eight so far. Now, I think a problem that they have is that no one's interested in watching the scene because in EU, NA, and LATAM, there are, what, tw uh, eight... 24 teams now in APAC there's 32 alone and if I'm European I, I could maybe get interested in the scene if it was smaller but it's it's bigger than the pro league in the world just there right 32 teams is a lot I'm not going to know 32 teams names and what like 32 times 5 what like 130, 155 players or whatever the 150 160 players names I don't know them I've got no connection to any of them because there's so many of them. So I feel like personally, just cut every single region in half. Have four teams in each region. That means there's only 16 teams over there. It's easier to get a basis with the teams, their personalities. Uh, it also makes the level of play higher because from what I've heard, Apex is very top, top heavy. Hmm. So the lower teams would just be gone. So it'd just be the better teams playing with each other. Uh, that way there would be more i could look at the team and go well that's a team i like as opposed to a big sea of teams and it's hard to pick one do you know what i mean mm. i agree with that because it also makes it harder from i mean easier from a casting standpoint oh yeah and being able to follow games when there's half as many games yeah but i was talking about like people were talking about oh why aren't apac on the main channel it's because well, the casters would never sleep like there's, <laughs> there's just so many games going mm. on so cut them in half, and then that's going to solve some of that issues. Maybe they could have their own dedicated channel with some of their own casters in that area doing it. Not like I know there's an A and Z channel, but yeah. I, I'd, it'd be better to have a channel that's for the entire region, so people don't have to go follow four different channels mm. in order to keep up to date. You say the same thing about Challenger League. Yeah, yeah, Challenger League definitely is a channel, 100. Yeah. percent um, speaking of Challenger League, then something that uh, and, and and contentious issues and shit talking. Uh, so you guys had quite the journey getting to where you are. Now you mentioned earlier about the splits and the split you guys ended up on the unfavorable side of. You ended up having to pick up two players, which worked out. But you guys had to journey through. Now, luckily, it was only the three month season, not the six month season for Challenger League. But you guys had to journey all the way back through Challenger League, get to where you are today. I mean, how has that been for you guys? How was the mentality-wise going through that, just not giving up, not disbanding, just saying it's fine, we're going to go through it, you know, things like that? Well, we actually ended up on the uh, the, the unfavorable side both times we split. <laughs> but um, this time around, when I was talking to me uh, Meepy just after it was all said and done, like, to start with, uh, when the guy said they were going to leave, it was very, like, we kind of gave up hope for a little bit, and we were just kind of like, it's kind of going apart. And obviously, Snookin, we put him on the bench and he left. But obviously, it was effectively kicking someone, putting him on the bench. Um, and then Ren said he wanted to go. And then secretly, obviously, had, he wanted a couple of days to think about him. And he did his little think and he decided to leave himself. And obviously, we went straight to ESL because we got Leon on the team. He played games. Uh, is Leon fine? Because you'd rather have a team there than no team. Leon's played some games. Um, we've had this happen to us in the past, and they gave us a leg up because when this happened to us the first time, 
we still lost our Pro League spot, but they put us straight through to the qualifiers for Pro League. So we skipped the open quarters and stuff like that. So we just had to play the winners uh, to get back into the Pro League. But now, uh, could we just stay in the Pro League? And they said, yeah, sure. Um, you've got Leon, he qualifies, that's fine. But obviously, when they went to make their own team, we got cast to the side because Snooker had played more games. Um, now, putting the drama from that aside, uh, obviously, that put us in a really awkward, horrible situation where we kind of like, what's the point? Um, we worked this hard. We've been in the Pro League for two years now, um, and we've got nothing to show for it. So we almost gave up, but then we decided to just give Challenger League a shot because we can get to Challenger League. It should be fine. Like We can win Challenger League if we just pick up even just two uh, mediocre players in our mind because we were Pro League players and we're good at the game. And a lot of the Challenger League teams at the time weren't very good. Uh, there are a lot better teams now. There's a lot more of them in this season. But in the previous seasons, there wasn't, it wasn't competitive at all, was it, right? Um, but we ended up finding Stizzy and LM, who were two fantastic players. Obviously, we're five high-quality players, and we just feel like we can just walk through Challenger League, have a bit of fun. Uh, obviously, we tried very hard, because we're trying to attract maybe an organization. And... Uh, it worked out really well. We won the games. We didn't lose a single map in the entire time in Challenger League. And obviously that had our confidence at all-time high. Went to Valencia. We just went there for a bit of fun because we'd already qualified for Paris. We weren't trying super hard. We weren't using loads of strats and stuff like that. We just went there for a bit of a, bit of a laugh because the pressure's off. We'd already qualified because that was the big thing to go. We ended up winning it because we were in such a high. Like talking back about emotional teams. We are such an emotional high as a team. And um, that managed to bring us all the way through to the finals and take it from Vitality. Um, and obviously we've kept on going in the Pro League all the way to second slash third place around there right now. And um, it's just feeling really good. Does it feel pretty vindicating to see you guys are in that top three and where Chaos is at the moment, potentially <laughs> going to have to make their own journey through Challenger League in the future? I mean... I I like I I'm not have like super hard feelings about what happened anymore. You know, it's all in the past. It's, honestly, like when it happened and we finished with Challenger League, I was talking to people asking me on stream and I said, like I'm happy it happened. Because right now I feel like our roster's as strong as it's ever been. Even before we qualified for Pro League when we were in Challenger League and I feel like we can really go far with this roster and if this didn't happen, that couldn't ha we couldn't be where we are now. Um obviously it does it, it, it's a bit funny and ironic that people left because they weren't happy with the performance of the team and then the team that they left is now performing better than it ever has that is a bit ironic and funny but you know I'm not vicious about it you know <laughs> so I don't know whether you have any further questions Enzo Oh. I mean, I think we covered a lot of good stuff here. I mean, yeah. it's it's good to see you guys doing well and, uh, you know, keeping that up. Hopefully, whether you guys even even if you don't make land, I'm I'm like very excited about your guys' performance in the future, and I hope that uh, you know that consistency thing doesn't become as much of an issue for you guys. Yeah. Mm. Well, we're still in the running for land. We've uh, we've slipped up the last couple of weeks, and we've been doing kind of mediocre. We don't. We do kind of know why. There's like an issue with, especially the last game and the one of the games, not last week, but the week before. It's uh, 
it's it's a lack of information that's causing it. Like we lost last week because a lack of information on the guy in uh, lockers because we we thought it was clear. A lack of information on the plant that they had a second maestro cam further down the hallway because once again going back to the time thing, we didn't drone it. So obviously they could see us, so they were shooting us with the smoke, and it's it's going back to that. So we just need to work on our info game, and then everything should be right as rose again. You can be honest if it's Helby's fault. Hey, it's all Helby's fault. <laughs> Thank you. We'll tell him not to quit his job. Um, <laughs> um, well, so in that case, obviously, uh, best of luck in the next two weeks from us. Um, are we hope that you make it there obviously i'll be watching yeah well if we win our next two games we're there there's if we win the next two games we're guaranteed there's nothing that mm. can stop us and we're feeling confident yeah i'm sure i'm sure you can um <laughs> are you planning on going to dreamhack winter as well um i think right now we're planning on going there if we don't qualify for rio because qualifying for rio qualifies us for invitational and if we don't have to qualify from the, from the invitational by then, then we'll go. But otherwise, I don't think so. Hmm. Oh, actually, that also... Um, do you think you will make the premiership plan? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like when Fox plays in the Canadian Nationals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's... Like the team player are actually quite good. They've got good aimers and stuff like that. It's just the other bits that make a team that uh, aren't quite there compared to hmm. like pro league teams and stuff like that. Like aiming's one thing as an individual player, but your teamwork, communication, and just how you glue together and making your strats is the big part. Do you ever play one of those teams and think, oh, that was interesting what they did there? Maybe there's something there we could use. Uh, not so far. The two teams we played were pretty like just playing the standard meta hmm. so far, but. You know, sometimes new teams do try wacky stuff that could potentially work because uh, they've got less to lose, you know, and mm. it's the best time to try stuff like that. Mm. And uh, maybe someone will put us off and we'll go, well, actually, maybe we'd be able to use that. That would uh, hopefully be quite a surprise for everyone else at the pro, <laughs> at the pro league level. No. Um, and someone will be uh, sitting at home thinking, hey, wait, we came up with that first. Straight onto the Twitch chat. I mean, every team has uh, some really off a crazy strat that they've mm. kept in the back. Like we had um, back when Cafe was in Pro League. Uh, well, there's no reason not to say it now because Cafe's not in Pro League. You know, before I think it was SK, uh, it was F3 at the time, right? Took uh, Kitchen on Cafe. We had a strategy lined up for it. We were we were going to take it in the next game, but they used it, and then there was no reason to it anymore. The mean factor was gone. We've got a couple of wacky strats like that that we want to use. We're just waiting for the right chance to do it. <laughs> we'll keep our eyes peeled for those then. And uh, <laughs> hope that you get that opportunity. Um, otherwise, I think uh, we're getting quite close to the time that you have to get off. Yeah, I've got scrims in like 25 minutes. So probably want a bit of a break. Um, so if there's nothing further from us... I just wanted to say thanks for joining yeah. Time out and glad you're gonna be able to make your scrim at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not if the tech issues were persistent. <laughs> Alright. Okay. Well uh that's all I've got to say. Well, in which case, uh I think that's all from us on the debrief. Um so you've been watching the debrief episode twelve, hosted by myself, Shevler. Emzo, who we're very happy to have back. 
<laughs> and our special guest this week has been Lackey of Seems Correct. Bye-bye. <laughs> we'll catch you next time. Goodbye.